The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Patria Vandermark. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are you doing, Patria? I'm doing very well. I had quite an eventful weekend between snow and football. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to guess that the snow was more exciting for you, but I figure I should at least ask the question. By a lot. The snow was... Really great to ride in. And then, of course, football. What's that? I didn't even realize that was a thing that was happening this weekend. Um, And then after seeing lines stretching around grocery stores when I wanted to grab food for the ride, I was like, why? Why is this? I realized there's a, a little snowstorm predicted. I can't believe this many people would be loading up. Their, their refrigerators for, for this. Uh, it's not not a snowmageddon or anything like that. Turns out there was a Super Bowl this weekend, and that's what everybody was was doing. Who knew? Oh, the big sports ball championship. Right. <laughs> that's that's right. You wouldn't have happened to catch any of it, did you? No, not a lick. Uh, I heard something about some bucks, but I, I didn't think that that's what one of the teams was called. So I, I really um, I did hear my name bandied about some, but. I know that people don't really like me that well. Uh, <laughs> right, right. There's some some uh, relationship with you and Tom. <laughs> uh, no, no, because I'm more worried about the people who really don't like him. But they're not in your neck of the woods. Unless <laughs> right. they're up. Yeah. Yeah. From what I can tell, people like him here from. But I, I don't talk football. It's uh, simply a subject that doesn't seem to come up much at all to to the point where I didn't even realize that football games were being played until I found out that it was the big game and Tom Brady was <laughs> going to be there and so it's it, it was an interesting interesting thing to have in the background while recovering from from a weekend full of glorious fat bike riding on new fresh snow it's great huh, very how about, nice how about you how are you doing i'm doing just fine uh my riding this weekend may have been cut down a little bit, not because of sports ball. Um, <clears throat> uh, may have had a couple of dates. Oh, excellent. All right. <laughs> I guess I guess that's a good reason to uh, not ride a bike, though. It could be coupled together. I I, you know, um, if it wasn't a good reason, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, Very it was good. Fun. It was fun. Yeah. So nice. All righty. Well, let's jump in. What are you pulling about this week? This is a bit of a continuation on a previous poll as we're mm. still looking ahead to the road riding season, gravel riding season, lots mm-hmm. of riding that's going to be coming up. And I wanted to get back to low gearing options and how to outfit your bike for any kind of riding that you might want to be doing. It's logical to assume that after not being able to travel for a year, many of you have saved up and are going to be looking for cycling destinations that involve climbing, perhaps. 
And also, maybe you live in a place where there are hills and you would be taking advantage of lower gearing on your bike if you had them on your bike. <laughs> so we had we'd gone through the SRAM mullet setup, which is obviously mm-hmm. not for everyone. It's a really neat way of talking about low gearing in a very different context, a very different way of setting up a bike than what any of us is used to seeing. And outside of this setup, there are still many more options available to people today to put on their road or gravel bikes. So I wanted to discuss another two options. Uh, I would highly recommend looking for SRAM component options because they are more available in general. So your bike shop is more likely to find SRAM components. And I've also found that the ETAs on SRAM components have been uh, very good that SRAM is providing. I've been able to trust those ETAs, which is something that's definitely (laughs) saying something. Well, an ETA doesn't mean anything unless it's accurate. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) So when you say, yes, this is how long you have to wait on your bike at this point, when parts say they're going to ship, they have been shipping. Not to Mm. say they're not going to experience hiccups down the line, but at the same time, they are obviously committed to trying to keep bike shops informed. Mm. So I would, you know, and I've mentioned this before, it's um, really nice to work with your local bike shop because there are so many options. So I'll go through some of them here. There's a lot more options out there. And it also has a lot to do with what your shop is is comfortable putting on your bike. Oh, if you're not in a rush for a bike, Shimo offers parts, good experiences, it, and there's a good chance you are coming from a Shimano bike and there's obviously two types of people. You may be buying a new bike or you're trying to get lower bikes on your current bike, uh, lower gearing on your current bike. So to review the key for with low gearing is to have the smallest chain ring possible with the largest cog in the cassette possible without overly compromising your highest gear, which is your fastest speed. It, it gets very confusing. I, I feel like it's it's hard for everyone to talk about high gears, low gears, easy gears, hard gears. That's very complicated. So don't feel bad if you have a hard time talking about it because everyone does. Everyone just stumbles around the, the conversation because it is tricky to talk about. And you want to mm. go mm-hmm. up in the rear, like your your chain is literally rising in the cassette, going to the bigger cog to go lower. And then your chain is going into the smaller chain ring in the front to go lower. So that makes sense. But in, in the cassette, just it's it's not it's not exactly what it sounds logical. So announced earlier today, SRAM now has a red level wireless rear medium cage derailleur. <laughs> Apparently, this is big news. <laughs> now, they have had a force axis rear derailleur that's reached up to the 36 teeth that's been Mm -hmm. out on the market for a few months now i feel like it's been out for about four maybe five months so we've got quite a few bikes on the ground now with that forest rear derailleur but yes being able to have a red light derailleur that reaches 36 teeth is sram saying yes red and performance level gearing is appropriate at low gearing. So this, yeah. this is this is an option now. Um, interestingly, Shimano 
has their lowest gearing has a lower number to it. It's actually less expensive as well and a little heavier. Mm-hmm. So and in a lot of ways, that's a statement saying that lower gearing is for the lesser performance oriented bikes, which I don't think is true. That low gearing definitely belongs on performance bikes. Lightweight gearing definitely um, can go on these on the, the performance bikes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and in lower gearing, crank set options that SRAM is offering for their access crank sets are, and every time I say access, that means wireless. So if I say access, it's wireless. 4633 and 4330 they have a higher like higher geared crank set but we're not talking about that right now (laughs) so now say you pair that 4330 with a 1036 tooth cassette there you go with your low gear being a 3036 that's quite a bit lower than one to one and uh and that'll work great here in sonoma county you know the hills here are really steep and a 3036 would be uh well, I'm going to be making some changes to one of my bikes. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. When you say yeah. your your hills are really steep there, remind us how steep they are percentage-wise. Well, I mean, like the gentle stuff is 12%. Wow. It's not hard to find 18 and 22%. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one little, I don't know, 30-foot section uh, of a climb that's uh, not far from here, uh, unpaved, that is 29%. Oh, oh, that hurts yeah, to even murderous. think about. Murderous, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to jump in here yeah. and point out something. Uh, people may wonder why SRAM is going for a 13-tooth difference in their chain rings uh, on these crank sets, the 4633 versus the 4330, uh, as opposed to doing like uh, what FSA has done, which we will circle back to later, uh, with their 4630 subcompact uh, they led the way in all this. FSA gets credit for like actually initiating all of this. Um, and the thing is, when you've got uh, in in lower ranges like this, when you've got a 16 tooth difference, the moment you shift from one chain ring to the other, you're probably shifting three teeth in the rear, um, three cogs in the rear, rather. Uh, so it's, there's a whole lot of shifting that goes on every time you move from one chain ring to another. Having only a 13 tooth difference means that there's a fair chance that you may only have to shift two cocks. So it's just less shifting in the back. Um, I really honestly miss those days where there was a 10 tooth difference between my big ring and my little ring, (laughs) because what that meant was that very often uh, I could I could simply shift the chain rings and not worry about a downshift or an upshift in the rear. Um, I wrote an entire crit once just moving between chain rings. Wow. That's, that's a different time in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was no internet then. Right. (laughs) That's true. And now we think about these things. Yeah. Yeah. That's now we have a lot more choices. We Um, do. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry. Continue. No, but that's, that's a good point. And something I don't tend to think about. And a lot of that happens so automatically. it's mm-hmm. just not even mm-hmm. not even a thought. And companies now are offering synchro shift, which I'm not even going to go into here. But there are automatic ways of getting those ratios to be as finely tuned from one one tooth to the next or the, like the one gear to the next gear. Yeah. 
Okay, so now moving along to Shimano and their GRX setups. Just in general, the full parts kits are hard to get right now. It's good to know, though, that you don't need the levers in order to get the gearing. And it's worth stating that Shimano is still at 11 speed for their road gearing. Their mountain bikes right now are at 12 speed. SRAM's at 12 speed for both road and mountain. And Campy has leapt ahead to 13 speeds. So it seems to me that it's just a matter of time before Shimano's 11 turns to 12. And we're going to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to add to any rumor mills, but of course there's rumors out there and no one knows when Shimano might be turning their road gearing into 12 speed. Now, Shimano is a, a much more budget way to accomplish low gearing and a decent range of gears uh, since it's offered for both mechanical shifting as well as electronic DI2 versions. So it's def- this, this is opening up a lot more options to you and as we were saying before a lot of people are starting with the Altegra equipped bike so you might already have everything that's compatible like your levers if they're already 11 speed are going to work with the crank set and the front derailleur you just need a GRX crank set and front derailleur if you don't mm-hmm. have those two things together it's not going to work because of the spacing of the front derailleur on that crank set because those two things are spaced a little differently they're actually spaced a little further out to accommodate a gravel tire since that's yeah. their their purpose but it's fine to put them on a road bike that is not a problem so you can mix and match a whole bunch here um and then you can do employ basically a variety of different ways of getting lower gearing so shimano's offering a 4831 crank set and a 4630 crank set and it noted what you had mentioned about FSA having the 4630 crank sets. These have been out for quite a long time. And I feel like a lot of what Shimano's done is simply market this different gearing under GRX. Mm-hmm. And it's made it really popular. But it has been out there. Easton's had a, uh, the same thing on a mm-hmm. 4630 mm-hmm. chainring combination as well. So these have been out there. But Shimano's certainly popularizing it. And then Shimano has an 1134 tooth cassette that's also been quite popular and now nearly impossible to get. I think if you want an <laughs> Altegra 1134 tooth cassette, you're waiting until at least May in order to get your hands on that cassette. And, and they're the only ones doing an 1134, to my knowledge, right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now, let's say you take that 4630 crank set and you combine it with an 1134 tooth cassette. Your low gear is now a 3034. That's not bad. You're still below one to one and you haven't done anything crazy with your bike. Of course, you've lost a little off the high end because that 46 is now smaller than what you might be coming from, which is typically a 5034. So the standard crank set, it like once upon a time, people had 5339 tooth chain rings on their bikes which is huge that's what i used to ride when i was racing in colorado that made sense to me now it doesn't make any sense at all definitely does not make (laughs) sense on the east coast and granted most of the climbs in colorado are gentle it's hard to find anything steeper than eight percent out there so Mm -hmm. you could maybe get away with that but your legs are going to feel far fresher 
if you're using smaller. So yeah, 50, 34. I, I don't want to call it standard because it's not. It's compact. That's what it's called. And then anything smaller than that is the subcompact crank set. So there's just so much terminology surrounding gearing. I think that makes it hard to buy gearing. It's hard to diff- talk to a bike shop about gearing because it is such a complicated topic. And you can get so mired in the, the math surrounding it all. For those of you who are riding Shimano 10-speed bikes, the GRX is offered at 10-speed with the 4630 chain rings. So, as again, as long as you have a front derailleur that matches, that is a GRX 10-speed front derailleur, you can marry it with this 10-speed crankset and turn your 10-speed bike to this, this lower gearing in this way. Now, here's something. I don't know if I should be saying this out loud to a wide audience, <laughs> but I'm going to say it. Now, hear about it from Shimano later. You can use the GRX rear derailleur way out of spec. Shimano says to use it with the maximum of the 1134 tooth cassette. However, we've been doing this at the bike shops where we're using the 1140 tooth XT Shimano 11 speed mountain cassette with this derailleur, both the GRX cable and electronic versions. And that works really well. Wow. So we've done this. I mean, you're serious when you're saying way out of spec. It's way out of spec. Traditionally, traditionally Shimano rear derailleurs could always handle two teeth more than what they said. If they said it was built for, you know, an 1128 or a 28, you know, tooth cog as being the largest, you could run a 30. You definitely could if you could find it. Um, and, but a, a, a cog that's six teeth larger than their maximum and it's working, that's really surprising. It's very cool. It's, it, it is. It's a it's, big surprise. It's really I wouldn't neat. even have tried. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And we and the thing is, the way it works for us is people are always looking for lower. So Mm -hmm. we said, hey, let's give it a shot and see what happens. And it works. A lot Mm -hmm. of people have employed the uh, wolf tooth road link. A lot of people call it a goat link. You can use those. (laughs) I have not had a particularly pleasant experience with one of those failing for absolutely no reason within the first 500 miles of the life of one of them. And if you look at how they're machined, there's not a lot of metal holding those things together. So I would never use one of those on my bikes. And we have a few bikes in the world that are taking advantage of that in order to get a medium cage derailleur, a rear derailleur to extend to a bigger cassette. But when you add one more piece to your derailleur hanger, it, it could be the weak link in the, in the system. I've heard complaints. I will jump in and say that I've got one on my tandem Mm -hmm. and I really like it. The thing that I'm noticing that you really have to be careful with is how much drag there is in the free hub because that gets compounded uh, the larger the cassette is. So the, you know, the bigger the, the large cog is in the cassette, the greater the chance that the chain is going to wind up. Um, And so you could get, you know, slackening chain and, issues coming with that. Um, but yes, I will say, uh, one of the shops here in town stopped selling them because they were having some issues. Um, but I put one on my tandem a couple of years ago and I mean, I keep pedaling on descents except for the really crazy stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I'm not pedaling on dirt to sense. Uh, and yes, I've written my tandem on dirt. (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, it's one of those things where I'd check it a lot and I'd be careful with it. But, uh, in my application, because I didn't go with like a, a 46, uh, large cog, you know, it's a, it is a 40. Mm-hmm. It has worked really well. I like it a lot. Good. Yeah. Not too extended out there. So yeah, it didn't, if you wanted to do that with the GRX rear derailleur, you don't even need that extension off your, your rear derailleur to make that work probably. And I would say you as a bike shop or you as a consumer who would like to have this done at your bike shop, do a test first, make sure everyone feels comfortable with this. Yeah. But we've been doing the 4630 crank set married to that 1140 tooth cassette together to get those really low gears that people want. And it's worth mentioning that the people that I work with are very particular. If they had a problem, I would know about it. And we're not we're not getting the problems that's staying in tune. The bike shifting really well for the life of the life of the cassette. And the crank set and everything else. So really, really good setups. There's a couple couple different options to think about. There are some third-party cassettes out there that generally they're a little bit heavier, but they are one way of getting cassettes if you can't find a Shimano cassette. Um, and and some of them are offering some, some nice, nice gearing options. And you know very well there's going to be more of these because demand right now is really pushing toward that. So it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what comes up in the market and, and this spring, definitely seeing some cool stuff being introduced. So keeping our eyes open. But no, if you want lower gearing, there's some good ways of doing it. It's yeah. not going to break the bank. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big fan of the cranks that you can get from FSA because they offer them at at least three different price points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so depending on what your wallet can take. The thing that we should caution everybody to make sure that either they check or have their shop check, that's probably the smarter way to do it, is the positioning of the front derailleur tab on the frame. Because when you go from, say, a standard compact 5034 to a subcompact 4630, the front derailleur is going to have to come down. And if it's an older frame where the tab is up high for say 5339 that sort of thing they may have trouble getting the front derailleur down low enough to provide accurate shifting so it's it's a good idea to do some inspection on the frame before anybody goes plunking down a credit card that is a very good point i'm used to metal bikes with clamp on front derailleurs oh oh yeah 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 we come from a healthy Mm -hmm. perspective of a lot of a lot of frames are made for one specific setup one specific gearing and maybe that front derailleur doesn't move true lots to look at there with compatibilities another reason to buy titanium yeah no front derailleur tab (laughs) (laughs) you know but that's you know if you've got carbon fiber or steel that's almost certainly the case Mm -hmm. yeah right so great very good point yeah Mm. Wow. Uh, well, I got to talk to the people at SRAM because I definitely want lower gears on my gravel bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, a nice announcement today. They said that lots of people have been begging for the that red uh, yeah. medium cage rear derailleur. But I mean, we're it's at great to more have than that. 18 months since the release of that group. You know, I'm surprised it took this long. 
true, but the force medium cage has been around for not that long. So it seems Sometime. like, and they keep adding yeah. to it. It's the same with the uh-huh. crank sets. Uh-huh. Like they keep going lower, at, but it seems like it's very methodical. They keep adding more and more range to that whole mm-hmm. set. And the rear yes. derailleurs for this, for that matter, it's worth mentioning. They can go both one and two by. So mm-hmm. you're not locking yourself in as much to either one or two by. And I, I talk to a lot of people who aren't quite sure if they want to go one or two by. So many, many of my conversations are with folks just trying to figure out how lo- how much they're locking themselves in to one decision or the other. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, oh, I think I want to do two now, but I might want to go one in the future or more common. It's I think I want to try one by setup. And if I'm not happy with it, can I go two by? So mm-hmm. SRAM's mm-hmm. really keeping that door open so you can move one way or the other without having to just throw it all out and repurchase a whole new group set. If if you've decided to to do one and want to switch to the other. Yeah. Yeah. And that certainly is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um my personal opinion is if your hometown doesn't vary in altitude by more than about three or 400 feet, one by is not something, you know, that is going to cause you problems. But if you live someplace like I do, uh, where they didn't bother with switchbacks, uh, most anywhere. Um, yeah. A front derailleur is your friend. Right. Right. Absolutely. Or if you're just a spoiled roadie who likes to shift and have that small nuance in between gears, like you were describing yeah. earlier. I like technology. There's nothing I wrong like with that. I like technology. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. We have yeah. lots of options and that's what's so nice. Like you're saying. Yeah. We all have options. We can choose what we want and we can play around with it, too, and have fun with that. Choose one chain ring size. Oh, it wasn't the right one. You can get a different chain ring size. All of these things are becoming much more interchangeable now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Alrighty, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by the Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com. Click on support TCI and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. My pull is up. I'd like to be a little more lighthearted this week. Can we? Oh, now uh, you tell me after the gearing conversation. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, this is more about supposed to uh, and whether or not we can. I'm going there. Very good. I want to talk socks. Awesome. Awesome. You can never go wrong with socks. Yeah. Now, let's be clear. I am clear that this is not earth shattering stuff. But that said, like, shall we say normal people, I've got a sock drawer and newsflash is full of socks. 
No way. But one of the things about working in the bike industry is that I accumulate socks the way little boys accumulate toy guns. Name a bike brand, and there's a chance, a fair chance, that I have a pair of socks with their logo. I've got so many socks, I have trouble getting the sock drawer closed. <laughs> I have on occasion considered... <laughs> Oh, God, I'm not going to say this out loud. Uh, I have considered doing sock laundry less often so that more socks stay in the laundry so that my sock drawer isn't quite as full and therefore easier to close. This, let's be clear, this is the sort of crazy scheme you come up with when you are a creative. Okay, let's also be clear. I'm being very clear today. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad we're taking this very seriously. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, you know, we wouldn't want to have fun. Um, But I do acknowledge this is a very bad idea. Uh, So I haven't intentionally done it. (laughs) But there are three themes of socks I've noticed in my personal inventory. Okay, they're all my dress socks that I'd wear if I was putting on a suit or a nice pair of chinos. There are all my recent acquisitions that are calf socks, okay? Mm-hmm. And then there are the several dozen pairs of old ankle socks that we cyclists wore before Nike made Lance Armstrong wear calf socks. Mm-hmm. Nike, really, seriously, Nike single-handedly changed cycling fashion by making Lance Armstrong wear calf socks, Okay. So last spring, I went through my drawer and cleaned out all my old socks that said Richard Sachs, Bianchi, The Ride, whatever else was in there. Uh, A couple of Belgian teams. They went in a bag that went by my front door. And then as often happens, I get a task halfway done. You know, a week goes by before I remembered, oh, yeah, I should take this out to my car so that then... I can swing by Salvation Army or Goodwill and drop off the socks, right? Well, do you remember I said like this past spring? Yeah, it was springtime. So there was (laughs) one little bitty hitch. We just entered lockdown due to the pandemic. (laughs) And so my impulse for comedic timing being what it is, I could not possibly have done that any better. I looked down at the bag shoved it in a bin in my entry area and forgot about it. And there it sits today. Uh, Well, (laughs) until last week when I was cleaning stuff out and I ran across all the socks and I was like, you know, okay, so maybe some of the white socks are a little gray from, you know, me not being perfect at laundry, (laughs) but they're still perfectly wearable. They're, they're just fine. You know, Uh, (laughs) but you know, there's the fact that, I got to be honest and say, I'm resentful that Nike changed cycling fashion. Mm-hmm. You miss uh, your socks. I, I, you know, in the grand scheme, small potatoes, very small potatoes, not even new potato sized. I know they strong armed us. OK, I am aware of this. I saw it happen. And the worst part is it did us no favors. Here's what I mean. OK. I live in an apartment complex here in Santa Rosa. It's nice enough that we have a community pool and they actually do a really great job of taking care of the pool. If 
not as much on heating it. And it's quite the community hangout. And so I'll go over with my boys and I show up and I feel like a zebra among lions. And it's not that anyone's going to eat me, but I've got these stripes all over me. I've got more stripes than a sergeant major. The white chest and, and then arms the color of unbleached paper. That's bad enough. Okay. But I mean, people aren't really that surprised by that sort of look. Right. Um, so I can wear a t-shirt, um, the white on my thighs. I can tan to disguise with good board shorts, you know, if they're long enough, but every now and then, if I'm sitting on a chase lounge, you know, a line so stark, it looks like a painter masked it will emerge and that gets laughs and ribbing. Uh, and then I just tell them that that part of my leg is uncooked, (laughs) but then we get to my ankles I can't do anything about alabaster feet, okay? I am screwed there. But then everybody's screwed there. You know, everybody's got alabaster feet, unless you've really been laying out a lot, you know, the skin cancer. No. But having the white hot knot end until my calf, there's nothing to hide that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do about it. And to the degree that I might have been able to fly under the radar with my other snowy bits, this is the giveaway to the whole enterprise. Straw meets camel spine right here. So I think <laughs> problems of Californians. She's <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, totally. First world. I, I no argument there. Um, but I'm rolling with this. I am serious about this now. So I think I have a partial solution to my dilemma. I'm going to start mm. wearing ankle socks again. Nice. <laughs> not always. Not everywhere. But I think, like, on my solo mountain bike rides, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at a certain level, it makes sense, okay? What do long socks do? They pick up more burrs. Pulling burrs off socks is a stupid waste of time. I could be cleaning the grout in my shower, for Pete's sake. The thing is, when I was a kid, I didn't care what anybody else did or thought of what I did. I'd lockstep with my own drum off by myself. This time, I do think I'd like a posse. So if there are listeners out there who still have some ankle socks hiding in a drawer somewhere, uh, don't tell your significant other. But here's your invitation. Let's start a movement. Wear ankle socks on at least one ride next weekend, unless you live someplace like Patria does, where that would just be a, a cruel thing in terms of the cold. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, hey, if they're both solar rides and it's warm enough, wear them on both. And as you guys get comments, uh, as you folks, because uh, I don't want it to sound sexist, uh, as you folks get comments, I invite you to stop by TCI and put in the comments what people said. I certainly want to hear what that is, especially the most brutal of the put downs. If you get a good burn, I want to hear about that so we can all come up with a good retort for you for next time. Uh, and really, truly, you've got logic on your side. Better tan lines and easier laundry. Beat that. Wow. That was a really good <laughs> argument for ankle socks. I think I'm going to go and dig out my ankle socks and join this movement and provide you the support group that you clearly need. In three months. <laughs> Once it's finally warm enough. You know, I I have to say I wear cycling socks every day of the week, no matter what. 
I, I am spending a lot of time in wool socks and long knee high socks just because. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. if you live in a climate like this, you're wearing really warm pants. So you don't actually need that warm socks. So so I'm, I'm willing to join you now at this time of I, year in, in, in solidarity. Yeah. 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 Uh. I'm, you know, I think maybe I should like call my friend Michael Foley at Sock Guy and uh, maybe Shane at Defeat and talk to them and see if I can't get them to go. We still got the machines <laughs> or, or, you know, maybe it's the same machines. It's just, you know, we still got the code. There you go. Uh, I'm going to do that. Do it. I'm going to get in touch with Shane and Michael. I'm going to do it. I know a lot of people who don't like the the taller socks because of calf size and i'm talking about women in specific mm-hmm. who have a mm-hmm. major problem with that i mean it will make you look short or it just if your calves are a little too big very uncomfortable they did us so, no favors no no so i know a lot of people who are not pleased with the current sock height movement so yeah, yeah i i, yeah, I don't think bad. you're alone in this at all yeah you know and uh i mean honestly the more sock there is yeah the more sock there is to get dirty Mm. So, uh, I might be onto something. I'm feeling better about this. The more I talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to admit, I actually like the longer socks, but I think it's because there's so much color and because I like socks. Unfortunately, the athletic has gone out with my jeans. Yes. Right. Exactly. When you don't have to worry about the sun. I mean, we've already settled that. I don't throw things out at least socks. So I'll keep all my longer socks. I'll just wear them with my jeans. Yeah, there you, you go. Know? Exactly. And but then when I've you have got to show cotton up? shorts on, mm-hmm. I'm going back to the short socks. Yeah. Do it. And then you revisit <sighs> some very positive memories when you pull out those historical socks. Like, oh, yeah. Like the purple ones from the Richard Sachs cross team. There you go. Those things are busting. Yeah. It's nice to revisit yeah. that sometimes. And when you put on the socks, there you go. Takes you right back there. <laughs> much, much younger years. And. <laughs> More spread. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, let's move on to paceline picks before I say something else crazy. <laughs> well, this week, because I noticed that you were going to be talking about socks, I decided I would choose socks for my pick. Ugh. Because I think that socks really make you feel good in the morning when you put on a cool pair of socks, something that just looks good or makes you feel good or takes you back to that event where you won the socks or were given the socks for for participating i vote for warm even though i live in a warm place but yes i vote for warm putting on warm socks oh yeah, yeah. and the, the fuzzy ones mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the 40 45 north wool socks very very nice we've got to get an endorsement from I them know. we need them to advertise or something <laughs> <laughs> they are so comfortable although right now i'm wearing my rafa deep winter socks they're knee high oh. those are also really comfy they're also really big so i have to wear my biggest shoes when i'm wearing them which is fine mm. it's all it's all fine but <laughs> something something about uh, socks is kelly catali has started Hashtag workout sock Wednesday. So I invite you to visit her Instagram. She is a professional mountain bike racer. And every Wednesday she posts her workout in a pair of cool socks. And you talk about somebody who has a lot of socks. I can only imagine what her sock drawer looks like. Oh, I will go toe to toe with her. (laughs) 
Every single Wednesday, she's got a new pair of socks. And I don't know if she ever repeats the same pair of socks. Mm. She just created a custom sock of her own after she's been doing this so long and been talking about socks for a long time. So now she has the Team Kelcat Workout Sock Wednesday special edition. I believe she's planning on selling them soon. So check out, follow her on Instagram. And then when she does have them for sale, they'll be available for purchase. And this helps her achieve her goals in attending races and competing at the very highest levels of mountain biking in the U.S. And she has some international uh, goals ahead of her. This this past season, of course, didn't happen for obvious reasons because of COVID. But she's got some big goals coming up ahead in the coming year. And a couple of well, few coming years. Um, she took 10th at nationals in 2019. So she's just Oof. really going strong. She's maintained her motivation to train throughout COVID, which I think is really impressive because she does not, she does not race for a living. And we see professional mountain bike racers who are paid to train. And this is what they're doing. This, this is their livelihood. This is not her livelihood. She works a full-time job as an engineer and trains like really, really hard with so much heart and enthusiasm for the sport and just trying her very best all the time. So so she's a awesome. great person to watch and support. And then it also gives you that just a little extra motivation to put on your coolest pair of socks, no matter who's looking or what kind of tan <laughs> lines they may or may not cause. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, here, tan lines, we don't think about tan lines. I'm going to have a talk with her. I'm going to get her sold on ankle socks, too. There She'll you have to go. She'll more socks. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. We'll, we'll have a link I, to her and Instagram. And once she offers them, I challenge all of our listeners to buy a pair from her. There we go. <laughs> there you go. It's a movement. People, it's a movement. It is. Uh, socks are a movement. I swear I didn't have too much caffeine today. I swear. <laughs> Okay. I don't even want to go My there. What is your pick? Tell us. Isn't, yeah, it's not actually a cycling product per se. <laughs> I've chosen the very unfortunately named MDR XB50BS from Sony. Uh, these are Bluetooth earbuds that don't have some enormous plastic thing that sits on the back of your neck when you wear them. All the electronics are in the earbuds themselves. And they are connected by a single flat run of cable. Uh, Sony's designation of the XB following the MDR, God only knows what that means, but the XB does have a real meaning and it signifies extra bass, which is to say that rock music sounds like rock music when I'm on the trail. They feature what Sony calls arc supporters, which are these little small curved pieces made from silicone that fit in the upper part of the ear to keep them from moving around. Uh, and they actually do something. Yeah, they really work. Um, they're also certified as splash proof, which means that you can wear them in light rain, but maybe not pouring rain uh, or if you sweat as much as I do. Battery life about on these things is really impressive. A full eight and a half hours. Um, I've done like a long drive to the place and back and, you know, never had to recharge them. Um, the best recommendation I can make for these earbuds though, is that they reproduce spoken voice 
as opposed to dif- as as differentiated from singing voice faithfully. The issue here is never the bass, but the high end. Uh, so many cell phone signals now lop off a bunch of the higher end frequencies, um, and that's why so many people have trouble understanding the people they're talking to on the phone. Mm-hmm. When people sound kind of muffled and mumbly, that's because a lot of the high end frequencies have been lopped off in an effort to use less bandwidth, less data, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so when you restore the high end there, you can actually hear people speak much more clearly. It's one of the reasons I and a lot of my friends are switching to making phone calls by a FaceTime voice, va- FaceTime audio. Ah. We don't do a video call. We'll just, we'll do a voice call, but we'll use FaceTime because it doesn't lop off the high end. And I have a much easier time understanding people. Yeah. Oh, that's a um, good tip. Yeah. So, uh, I've got, I've got a lot of books I want to get, get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my nightstand over here, I actually took a brief look. There's more than a dozen books on my nightstand. <laughs> Uh, and so the only way I'm going to get through everything I want to in the next year is to do some of them by audible and listen to them out on rides. Uh, and I found that I'm not disturbed by listening to a book while I'm riding through traffic. I can still actually hear cars really well. That's not the same thing. If I'm listening to the who's quadrophenia, (laughs) you could run over me and park on top of me and I wouldn't hear it. Uh, that may have something to do with John. Well, Oh, John, it was his bass lines. Uh, and the volume but, you have them turned up to. <laughs> no, no. Well, okay, maybe a little. Uh, but seriously, most earbuds I've ever run across simply couldn't keep a speaking voice clear enough over the noise of the wind. You combine, you know, wind noise uh, with a, a poor quality earbud and trying to listen to a podcast was just not a thing. Mm. These things are, are really a real cut above. Um, normally they go for $79.99, but they are available these days at Best Buy for $59.99 and on, uh, the devil's selling place, Amazon for $35.05. I'll have a link in our show notes. I'm interested to see if you've tried any of the, um, like the bone transferring earbuds. They're not earbuds. They actually sit behind and below your ears. Have you tried any of those? Because I've heard a lot of cyclists say how much they enjoy those. So I've got one of the Koros helmets that uses a transducer. It sits right about your temples. It's on the forward strap passing, you know, the Mm -hmm. the strap that passes in front of your ear Mm -hmm. as opposed to behind it. I haven't tried any of the ones that use transducers that are positioned behind your ear. Uh, But the Koros uh, is really fantastic. Yeah, if I'm just if all I want to do is listen to music uh, I will wear that that helmet, and yeah, I have no problem hearing traffic around me, and I can still kind of bop along to my favorite tunes. I would be happy to try some of the other transducers. I have some concerns about just how clearly I would hear a voice reading a book. Mm-hmm. There's a, a I have a real question about that, so I'd want to do a little investigation. But these things are a pretty dynamite solution. Yeah. All right. So you're saying that you would feel comfortable in traffic listening oh. to this and feeling like you would know where the, the next car is coming. Like you have enough yeah. enough sensory coming in from from the outside world. Yeah. Now I say that, uh, you know, I'm on 
uh, more lightly traveled residential streets. If I'm on something big, there are no earbuds in my ears, but on more lightly traveled residential streets. Yeah, I don't struggle with it. Um, and then I try to do a lot of miles on bike paths and whatnot, because I don't want to be a thump thump under a car. Sure. Sure. Well, thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, everybody. That's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. Keep those questions coming. You all send us great stuff. If you got an idea, please drop by the cycling independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Patria Vandermark. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.